As we've seen from the almost one year of the Matmonim Shirim, that on every single page of Gomorrah, on every daf, there, there is always something amazing. There, there are many, many things that are amazing. Uh, but we've been able to focus on one idea on every single daf and be able to extract the idea, expand the idea, extrapolate from the idea and apply it to daily life, especially to our lives as, as influencers and leaders in our communities or businesses and, and professions. And that's what we do in the Matmonim series. Um, and that's why we called it Matmonim, based on the on the verse in, in Mishlei, um, if you want, if you're ambitious about Torah, and, and you want it as much as you want physical prosperity, uh, and if you're willing to search for it and mine it the way you would mine silver and gold, as Tavin Yerat Hashem, then you will find meaning in the Torah, meaning in the Gemara, uh, and you will find relevance in it, and, and it will be applicable. Uh, and and sometimes we have to mine, we have to take an idea and really go deep into it in order to find that that meaning. Uh, but today it's not necessary to do so because on Daf Chafei, at the top of Daf Chafei Amud Bet, um, Rami Bar Abba, one of the outstanding uh, Talmidim of Rav Huna, one of the great Amoraim of the Gemara period in uh, in, in, in Bavel, um, uh, teaches us the whole Matmon, he actually lays it all out. We just have to learn the Gomorrah. We just have to read and translate the Gomorrah. And Ravina and Ravashi, who edited the Gomorrah and put it together, believed that, that this, the lessons that emerged from Rami Bar Abba's statements and others is so important and so powerful that it's worthwhile taking up three quarters of an, of an omud, three, three quarters of a page, in order to explain it. Now, we won't learn the full three quarters of the page, but let's see what it is that Rami Bar Abba teaches us. And the one thing is, is, is he, said, he teaches us, uh, in, in order to understand a Mishnah on Chafeya Mudalif, that talks about a situation where you might want to slaughter an animal, you might want to shecht an animal that's on its last legs and it's, um, it's yomtiv. So the reason you want to slaughter it is that it doesn't die naturally and then it won't be kosher. That would be an enormous cost to a, to a farmer. And so instead, the farmer, the owner of the animal, wants to slaughter it while it's still alive. But it's late on Yom Tov afternoon already, and he doesn't have a need for the meat that day. So here we have the, the laws of Yom Tov, where you can only prepare food if you're going to use it for Yom Tov. And the Mishnah says that you can only uh, slaughter that animal if there's enough time to, to roast it and, and, and eat at least a kazide, at least something of the animal, before the end of, of Yom Tov. Rabbi Akiva says you don't have to ro- roast it, even if you can just eat some raw meat from the area of, of the Shechita, which is apparently a, a place where, where the meat is edible even raw, and it's still warm right after the Shechita, so that's a, a place that one can eat it. Uh, even if you could just manage to cut off a piece of, of meat from the uh, neck and eat it, that, that's sufficient. Um, and then the Gemara goes into a whole question, and Rami Bar Abba says that you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to eat meat from an animal before it's been uh, stripped of its skin and uh, and cut into pieces of meat. Uh, the, the animal goes through various transitions. It, it starts off as, an, as a live animal. Certainly we can't eat anything. That would be Avery Menachai. We then slaughter it. It's now a carcass. Uh, and Rami Bar Abba teaches us that while it's a carcass, you don't eat anything from it, although theoretically it's kosher. That's not the problem. You wait until it's chopped up, you wait until it's cut and converted from carcass into pieces of meat. And why, says Rami Bar says the Gemara, because what, what Rami Bar Abba is teaching us is Orach Ara Kamashmalan. He's teaching us Derecheretz, he's teaching us just civility, how to be a mensch. 
Um, and Rashi says, unlike Tosfat, this has nothing to do with technical halakha. This has got nothing to do with anything being treif. This is just about being a mensch. And then the Gemara goes on to say, Kidatanya, as we've learned in a brysa. Um, and the Gemara brings a brysa that talks about things that you have to do because of Derech Eretz. And Rashi's concerned, why do I have to bring a brysa? What's the brysa coming to tell us? Says Rashi, Matsino aftana im shimelam dim hilchot Derech Eretz. We see that there are Tanaim, there are people from the Mishnaic period who found it important enough to teach us laws of Derech Eretz, even though they don't have technical halachic ramifications. That a person should not be present himself to, to other people as a, uh, a gluttonous person, as a, a person too eager to, to eat. So somebody who eats meat off the carcass before it's been cut off into meat seems too eager to eat, unable to restrain himself. And that's a lack of derecheritz. That's the essence of what Rami Bar Abbe is teaching us. And the Brysa that it quotes is, a, is, is another example, which is so strange and so interesting. There certain garlics or onions, probably something like a green onion or a spring onion, as they're called in some parts of the world, and, and other similar vegetables, where you have a, a bulb, which is the main part of the food of the, of the vegetable, and it has leaves as well, which are also edible. And when you come across that vegetable, says the, the brysa, you shouldn't eat the, the bulb immediately. First you should eat the leaves and then come to the bulb. And if you did eat from the, the bulb immediately, you are a raftan. Uh, the brysa gives us another example. If you're drinking a glass of, of liquid, the Gemara doesn't specify that it's wine, uh, if you're drinking from a glass, don't gulp the whole glass down in one gl- gulp. The imshata, and if you did that, hareze gargaran. Then one again is, is, is gluttonous, one is greedy. Then what is the right speed? Tanurabanan, we learned in a, in, 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 a, 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 in a Mishnah, in Psochim. Hashote koso bevatachat, hareze gargaran. If you drink your glass in one go, you're a gargaran. Shnaim. If you drink it in two mouthfuls, derecheretz, that's correct. Correct behavior. If you sip it very slowly, then you appear to be arrogant. Now again, the, the, the Gemara is not coming down to lay down exactly how many sips. It's just saying to, to drink too fast is, is gluttonous. To drink too slowly is arrogant. Uh, and so one has to find that right level at which to be able to drink from a glass. So these are two examples of behaviors that don't have immediate halachic ramifications. There's nothing about kosher and treif with the onion, and there's nothing about kosher and treif with a glass. Of, with a glass. It's just about midot. It's just about character. And interesting, the, the wording of the brysa is not, and you, sh- you should not drink too fast, or you should not drink eat the bulb um, before the leaves. It says, if one does that, it gives you a name. A person who does that is a Rav Tan. He ceases to be an ordinary mensch. He ceases to be a, a human being, so to say, and he becomes a Rav Tan. He's classified differently as a different kind of a species or a Gargaran if he drinks his wine too much. So we see from here that whereas if a person um, transgresses a halakha, does something wrong, that doesn't mean he's ois mensch, that he's not a human being. It just means he did something wrong and he has to repair it. 
that when you do something wrong in Hilchot Derech Eretz, as, as Rashi calls it, Hilchot Derech Eretz, these are the laws of Derech Eretz, they are also Halachot. If one does something in the, in the laws of Derech Eretz that isn't right, that changes who you are, you're not a mensch. In other parts in Shas, it's talked about Hareze Lomin HaYishuv. Such a person is not part of civilization. We exclude him from civilization. It's considered un- he's considered uncivilized. And, and the Gemara goes on. So what we're, we're seeing over here is the centrality of Derech Eretz. The idea of Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah means that if somebody doesn't live with Derech Eretz, if somebody doesn't learn Torah and teach Torah with Derech Eretz, that Torah is not Torah. That's Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah. That means it's the introduction. Without the Derech Eretz, the Torah isn't authentic Torah. The Torah is missing at its core what it really is and what its essence is. And that one, one has to be so careful. And this is so relevant today where the levels of Derech Eretz are so low. People just aren't raised with it. They're just not taught the laws of, of Derech Eretz. And we find this in, uh, in all societies in the United States. Derech Eretz levels are, are generally very low. In Israel, they're even worse, the, the levels of Derech Eretz. There's just not a sense of, of understanding. We have cases in the, in the Matmonim Shur every morning where you've got people who are Talmidei Chachamim. These are people who know Torah, who will walk in in the middle of the Shir. They're not part of the Shir, but they'll walk into the Beis HaMedrash and they'll walk up and down, distracting the people who are learning, uh, walking in front of, of the person giving the Shir, going to the kitchen, coming back, getting a glass of water, getting their tefillin ready, as if they're completely oblivious about the impact they're having on the people around them. That's a problem of Derek Heretz. Uh, why, why is they just don't know? It's just not something that they know. I, I mentioned to somebody in in our shul, uh, and I only point this out to people who are, have great character and and modesty and humility and appreciate being given guidance. Um, a lot of people just get offended if you point it out. So I, most times I don't even bother pointing it out. But where I can, where I see a, a golden uh, human being. Uh, of great character and, and is just perhaps not, not aware of a certain element of Derech Eretz, I will, I will point it out, as I hope that people would do to me. Uh, and and the, I told them the, the story when I was in Kfar Hasidim. Reb Elyalopian was the, the main mashkiach. He was, he was very old already. But at that time, he was the, the master Baal Musur of the world. There were just two or three of, of his stature, Abchatzka Levenstein in Ponovich, maybe one or two others. But he was a, the, the world-class Baal Musa, and his droshes, his Musashmurs, and were amazing because he was also an incredible orator. Not only superb knowledge, but just amazing powers of oratory. Um, one, once when he was speaking in the yeshiva, his voice was so piercing that it cracked the glass of a window, and he was amazed and upset that people noticed and turned around to look at the cracked window. Uh, he just didn't even know how one could even notice that the window had cracked while he was talking, because his talking was so compelling. It really was amazing. You sat at the edge of your seat. Whether or not you understood his very clear Yiddish, you still were in awe and you were mesmerized by his oratory. And he was developing a, a much younger mashgiach at the time, Rabdov Yafe, who later became a god of Israel, became a very, very great man, and died only a few years ago. But at the time, he was a young man beginning to learn uh, how to deliver drashot, how to deliver a, a musashmuz, and they weren't good. The content wasn't that good. It was difficult to follow. It was boring. His delivery was poor, and people used to fall asleep very, very quickly. But Reb Elia used to... When, whenever Rabdov Yafe started to speak, Rebellia would close the Sefer in front of him 
and would listen attentively to every word of Ribdov. And I once asked Rebelli about that. And I said, you listen very attentively when Ribdov speaks, but why? He's surely not teaching you anything you don't know. Um, and he said to me, it's to teach the boys in the yeshiva that when somebody speaks, you close your sefer. When somebody speaks, you pay attention. You don't judge as to whether you think it will be worth your while or not. If you're in the same room and somebody else is giving a, a shir, a drosha, a dvar Torah, you stop what you're doing and you pay attention. That's Derek Heretz. And then I noticed in Kvar Hasidim that that was, the, that was the practice. Whenever anybody spoke in the dining room at Shabbos, around the table, whatever, people closed their sforim and listened attentively. You don't sit while somebody's speaking and, and, and sit with the safer open and carry on learning or reading what it is that you're doing. And we know that that's a practice not only in Torah, but in meetings, people sitting with their cell phones open and looking at their cell phones while other people are speaking. It's such a lack of derech eretz. And without derech eretz, it's a loimina yushuf. One's not a human being. One's not part of society. And the Torah is so concerned and the Gomorrah is so concerned that, that one should eat properly and that one shouldn't be a, a gargaran. Then the Gemara goes on to talk about different plants and, and different halachot that teach us different things. One of them, for example, is the, the law of Orla. So when you see a tree that can't be eaten for the first three years, that should remind you of the power of restraint. And it should, should teach the people, for example, who uh, have relations with their wives before they've come back from the mikveh. They can't just wait a little bit. That idea of restraint, because that's what makes us human. The fact that we can overrule our instinct. The fact that we can be hungry and not eat. The fact that a person can have sexual, be sexually aroused and, and not have relations with his wife because it isn't the right time. A human being can restrain him or herself. That's not something animals can do. That's what distinguishes human beings from animals. The fact that we can overrule instinct. And anytime we don't, anytime we act impetuously and impulsively just because that's our instinctive urge, there we're undermining the essence of our being human. So that's what's important about Derech If you're Mechalo Shabbos, you're not undermining the essence of your humanity. You're not even undermining necessarily the essence of your Jewishness. You're doing something wrong. But when you do something that isn't Derech Eretz, you're undermining the essence of your humanity. And Derech Eretz means that you're not able to restrain yourself and just respond appropriately. Take a breath if, you've, if you're angry, if somebody's done something to offend you. Just take a few breaths and compose yourself before you respond. Don't have to respond immediately. The food's on the table. The, the kiddush gets put on the table. You don't have to attack the table. You can stand back a little bit. You can take a little bit of time. And I often tell the story of my father soon after he came to, to America. And he was at a wedding. Uh, and there was a rov who was, who was speaking. And while he was speaking, the waiter started bringing in the main course. And, and this kind of thing happens in America. That the, the, the waiters are insensitive to what's going on in the room and somebody's speaking and the, cat, the, the, the cutlery and the crockery is all uh, clanging away and, and, and disturbing him and nobody really cares. The food's put on the table and he's sitting at a table of Rabonim and Rosh Yeshivas, of big people. The, tables, the food's put on the table and they pile into the food, food while this one rabbi is speaking and my father doesn't. He sits back and he waits, as was his way. And one Rosh Yeshiva leans over to him and says, you're clearly new in the United States. You need to learn that if you don't eat when the food's put on the table, you'll go home hungry. And my father answered, I would rather die as a human being than live as an animal. And to grab the food while somebody else is speaking, that's not human. And if I go home hungry, that's okay. I've got food at home as well. It's not the end of the world. 
for a human being just to be human and to be able to understand the power and the importance of restraint in order to show dignity and honor to another human being. That's something that we have to be so aware of and, and so cautious about. And the Gemara actually says a little bit further further on, um, and quite quite amazingly, in the name of, of Rabbi Meir, Mipnei Why was the Torah given to the Jewish people? Is because we're so great, we're so wonderful. Mipnei No, because we have chutzpah, because we we stand up and we do things against the stream, and we don't care about what other people think about us. But that's also our weakness. Our strength is we're prepared to do the right thing no matter what other people think. But our weakness is we often do the wrong people thing no matter what people think. We're insensitive to how society is viewing us. And the Torah was given to, to us for that reason, says Rashi. And so Torah was given to us so that through learning Torah, applying our minds to Torah, taking the lessons, taking the matmonim out of the Torah, this actually weakens our azut, this weakens our, our strength and our, our chutzpah, so to say, and makes us more sensitive, makes us able to restrain ourselves and to master ourselves and not to act in, a, in an animalistic sort of a way, because these are the principles of Derech. It's so important that we shouldn't think that Yiddishkeit is just about Shmirat Halacha. Well, it is, because these are Halachot as well. These are called Hilchot Derech The laws of Derech which we learn in this Gemara, are as important, if not more important, than all the other Halachot, all the other laws of the Torah about which we're so meticulous.